And we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bally here to give you the latest in local, statewide, and nationwide athletics. Mitch, it's good to be back here with you. We are officially going into week five of the high school football season. We're also getting into more of the fall campaigns in the NFL. We got basketball coming up in just a couple of months. Baseball is still very much in action as the regular season is winding down. So obviously we have a lot to talk about here. First off, I want to remind you guys, uh, first of all, thank you so much for listening or watching wherever you're listening or watching from. If you're on YouTube, you're here watching us. You can like, uh, be, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell, get the notifications for when our episodes go up. Now, we also want to remind you that we are on a lot of streaming services uh, for podcasts, including Apple Pods, uh, Spotify, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud is audio only. The other ones are video included. So be sure to follow us there. And of course, on our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. We have two big uh, uh, previews coming up on Friday of this week that I very much want to get into in this conversation about the upcoming slate of high school football games. So Mitch, I take it you will probably be in uh, Uniontown this coming weekend for a very exciting matchup between uh, two schools that are kind of going uh, different directions right now in in their current schedules. One trying to get their first win of the year and one team really trying to build upon a good star. Why don't you take us through uh, that matchup? So you were talking about the Camp McKinley Bulldogs at the Green Bulldogs. And Mitch, you're spot on with what we just talked about. Two teams going the opposite direction, but looking for the same thing. And if you go back and listen to any of our episodes that we've had posted anywhere that Mitch Pinnell just told you to find us at, I thought McKinley Bulldogs were one of the top teams to beat in the Federal League and that Green would be down. Mitch, if you would have told me we get into week five and the roles are reversed, I don't know if I would have believed you, but that's where we are. The Green Bulldogs come into the matchup three and one coming off a 29-28 thriller over Jackson last week at Green Stadium. Just a phenomenal game. Back-to-back weeks now, Green has played two tightly contested ball games and lost on a two-point conversion, won on a two-point conversion. Flip side, you go to McKinley. They are up 28-17 to over Perry, a team they beat in the 21 campaign over at Maslin Perry. And then Perry outscores them the entire second half and ends up beating the McKinley Bulldogs 38 to 28 and McKinley now 0 and 4 for the first time since 2007. However, Mitch green, pretty one dimensional when it comes to offense, right? We know they like to throw the ball. Robbie Clockner threw the ball 67 times last weekend. And no folks, that is not an exaggeration. Nope. That is not, I did not mispronounce the number. He threw the ball 67 times in week four against Jackson green is a passing attack. It'll be interesting to see how McKinley, a team that's, you know, very, physical and has a lot of athletes all over the field, how they match up and defend that. And if McKinley stops it, can green get the running game going? We saw their leading rusher last week, Antonio Martin, just nine uh, yards rushing. And on the flip side, McKinley, this is really make or break time, Mitch, really, because as great as the federal league is this year, and is, I think this might be the most evenly balanced league year I've seen in a long time in the federal league. You don't want to lose your first two, first two games because Unlike other schools in the federal league, seven teams, every team has an off week in terms of conference play every week, but McKinley's does not come till the last week. So you don't have that opportunity to get what people call those get right games, right? Where you play a non-conference team, you can try some things out. McKinley is the one team that never has that luxury because they always play Maslin week 10 of the high school football season. So just, this is really make or break time going into week five, Mitch. It's crazy to say that, but I don't know the last, I didn't realize 2007 was the last time McKinley was 0-4. I don't want to know what the last time McKinley was 0-5 
was. So it's going to be a good one. Joe Dunn, Troy Richardson on the call. I myself am actually heading over to North Canton. I have the Glen Oak Golden Eagles coming off a seven-point loss to Lake last week at Hoover. Hoover's first federal league game of the season as they had non-conference last week. But there's going to be some very, very good federal league matchups in Stark County this weekend. Um, I can't wait to recap them on Monday. But where will you be? So we are headed over to Woody Hayes Quaker Stadium for the matchup between the Quakers and the Tigers, T-Y-G-E-R-S, of Mansfield Senior. Now, both schools uh, currently 2-2 two and two on the season. New Philadelphia just won their first Ohio Card- Cardinal Conference game last week against Ashland in a 15-7 final, and Mansfield has dropped back-to-back games. And what's interesting about both teams is that Mansfield has had a couple of games this year, the first two specifically, where they're able to put up monster points i mean they averaged over 40 points per game in the first two and then their last two they ended up only putting up a couple of uh points on the board but new philadelphia has really struggled offensively this year they won in week one seven to two over cbca and then were shut out in back-to-back weeks after that and of course i just mentioned 15 to 7 a very unique kind of score uh trevor bean was the supplier for new philly's offense in that game with two rushing touchdowns including a 42 yarder So when I go into this matchup, I'm looking at two schools that are really trying to figure themselves out at the midway point of the season. And I don't know what, I mean, New Philadelphia is going to have to put up a better performance if they want to win this game. If the defense can't step up the way that it has in the uh, two wins they got back in weeks one and four. Um, I'm very curious as to where, what New Philadelphia is able to bring in a home matchup against Mansfield, who again got off to a good start, but their last two games, they've, uh, they've they, like their most recent one against West Holmes, 37 to 7, was the final. Very limited offensively. Um, but I think this will be another uh, tougher affair uh, come, uh, come Friday night at Woody Hayes. You know, the one thing I'm realizing, Mitch, is it doesn't matter where you or I are at. Because big-time sports is every single big-time game there is in the area. But not only that, there's always great high school football in the area. And then, and that's the one thing I want to make sure that I touch on at least is there's great games in Stark County every weekend, as there are down with you in Tuscarawas County. We just can't get to them all. And, and that's the that's the, the hard part right there. And I know I've talked to Mellow Tones himself, so that's why I'm going to put it out there right now that Charlie has some ideas of what he wants to do, but he's really looking right now to start and kick something off with – someone doing a scoreboard for him every Friday night. Um, it would be a paid position when we talk last. I know he's been on vacation and, uh, you know, hope he's enjoying it right there, but to my knowledge, still not filled. So I wanted to make sure I threw that out there to the audience, Mitch, because good old Charlie Jones, mellow tones is looking for somebody to try to help broaden our coverage and at least be able to update scores as they come in throughout the night. Um, rather than having someone like you or I, or somebody calling the game, try to do that while they call a game, because, uh, as you and I both know, it's difficult enough to already call it a high action game, but wanted to make sure we threw that out there. That way we have more schools we can cover and uh, more exposure for all the players, coaches, and, and, and just teams in general. And I know that's something we're going to get into here in the coming weeks with some volleyball teams. There's a very, very hot volleyball team right now in terms of the style of play, some soccer teams up here in Stark County. And I know golf is, is really coming Coming fast, Mitch, and I know that's the same for you down there. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously you can check out uh, our the latest on what we have for high school sports on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. We try to get as many scores in there and may, as many recaps as humanly possible. So now some of the other matchups that are coming this week as I grab the comb there. Uh, very interesting. You have the game between Dover and Steubenville, I believe, coming up here. Uh, Crimson Tornadoes, very good start to the season right now. You also have in the IVC some of the ones that I was listing here. Malvern going up against Ridgewood. The Generals losing for the first time this year kind of handily up against West Branch. Uh, Newcomerstown gets one of their first big tests of the season in Janaden against Indian Valley. And we had the guys uh, from Newcomerstown on the big-time sports show earlier this week week, which I believe you can check out on BigTimeSportsOhio.com on our website. I uh, talked to many of the players, including head coach Dirk Gad. The The Trojans have something brewing right now. I think they've really gotten off to a solid start over the last three weeks, which have all been victorious for them. I also saw, as far as Green and McKinley's matchup goes, if uh, Green wins, this will actually be the first time... Uh, well, actually, it'll be the it'll snap the six game winning streak that McKinley has on the Bulldogs, while that McKinley has on Green right now. They're both named the Bulldogs, and uh, if McKinley were to lose this week, it would be their first zero and five start to the season since nineteen twenty four, which is unbelievable to think about. All the teams they've had over the last uh, century, good and bad. Um, as far as some other Stark County games, Mitch, are there any ones that people should be looking out for? Well, I will say this: I know everyone, you know. Mitch, it's, it's in every sport nowadays. People can continue to complain about pace of play, whether it's baseball, which is the most typical one, but sometimes football as well. So if you are one of those people that do not like how slow football games take, go on down and watch uh, Jackson at Perry, two teams that love to run the ball and they're very good at it, which honestly I would expect to see a running clock because Jackson last week had only thrown eight times the entire game until the final 44 seconds when they trailed for the first time. And as everybody knows, that's around and in the area, Perry, known for that wing T offense and Mitch, you and I talked about it last episode, Basham, uh, other names are slipping out of my head right now. I did literally out oh, church church and Basham in the backfield. Yep. It's more, which one's going to get the ball, which play and who's going to take it to the house because they both have that big play potential. So that's one game I, I definitely like, and I would recommend keeping an eye on and the Maslin Tigers continue to play a, a vaunted non, well, they're not in a conference, but a vaunted schedule. They welcome in one of the top teams in the state of Ohio, Division One, in St. Ed's coming down from Cleveland. Um, I know it's not in Stark County, but another game that I wanted to touch on is one that's just like the Maslin-St. Ed's matchup. Perennial powerhouse in Division Two, uh, Akron-Hoban will travel to St. Ignatius. So that's just another huge matchup. I know it's kind of out of our realms, and that's the only out-of-range you know prop I'm going to give there. But, Mitch, there's some big-time matchups all around Northeast Ohio this weekend that if you like football, you need to get out of the house Friday night and go catch it because if you want to watch one of the games Big Time Sports is doing, you'll be able to catch the replay the next day. No kidding, and absolutely. Once again, be sure to follow us uh, wherever you can for the latest updates, obviously at BTS Ohio on Twitter, Big Time Sports Ohio on Instagram, and like us on Facebook. So when we come back, we'll transition over to baseball. Guardians played today. Bit of a tricky one as we're winding down into the big stretch of games here that we've been highlighting on the last few weeks. We'll be back right after this. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut, skin-on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. 
What would you like with your fries? Trying them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's now time to go over to baseball where the Cleveland Guardians, man, it's getting down to the last few weeks of the season. And we since we were on break, the club completed its uh, sweep over the Los Angeles Angels this past weekend, or past week rather, a very good series. The team came in on a very good winning streak, six in a row, I believe. That was snapped today in an 8-2 final to the Chicago White Sox, uh, one in which Hunter Gaddis, the call-up from the minor leagues, had a bit of a tough one. Gave up five home runs to a White Sox lineup that looks very reju- rejuvenated. Has won 11 out of its last 15 now as we are seeing it still be pretty much a three-team race here in the American League Central. I don't think the Minnesota Twins are completely out of it, Mitch. Um, but when you see the team, the, the Guardians specifically, have a, a, a run like that, winning the series in Kansas City, winning the series in Minnesota, coming back and winning against the Angels, and then kind of having that dud today. I mean, where do you, are, are, is there any necessary to panic do you believe or do you think it's just one game against chicago now you got minnesota coming in here i think it's a combination of all that but really mitch let's to your first point they did what they needed to do right that what we've needed to see from this team is they have to handle the bad teams and the angels are a team that took the guardians number early in the season out in los angeles and so now they come in here they come limping in here they have two of the best players if not the two best players in all of baseball yet they're continuously one of the worst teams in all of baseball. But the Guardians won all three games in Mitch, some in dramatic fashion, and they showed it very well. And a six-game win streak is awesome. So for them to lose the White Sox today, I'm not going to panic. 
But the one thing I want to make a note on, the comments Elvis Andrews made uh, yes. after their game last night and watched the White Sox won, they are now, I believe that is now the 11th or 12th win under interim head coach for the White Sox. And he had a completely different stance when they had their game uh, last night before lo- beating the Guardians today, excuse me. But Elvis Andrews, when asked about the playoff race, Mitch, literally said the Guardians are going to crumble. And there's a lot of people who took that the wrong way. Myself, for one, to me, I I consider that bulletin board material. But the thing with that in terms of other sports is baseball is a lot different than other sports, right? You literally just saw for three games in Cleveland. You can have the two best or two of the best players in all baseball, and your team can't do anything like the Angels with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, where in basketball, the best player can take over a game instantly. And in football, generally the MVP is a quarterback who touches the ball every play, but you just have to wonder, are the white Sox that confident right now? Are the guardians going to actually crumble? But my, my big gripe here comes with what the move was to start Hunter Gaddis on the mound today. We are in September. There are September call-ups. This roster trim for call-ups has been, been sized down in recent years, it used to be huge and you used to know who was tanking and who was, wasn't or who wasn't, excuse me. And now you can't really do that anymore, but the guardians push back Tristan McKenzie, yes. one of the top two pitchers in the rotation, Mitch, that I think you and I have the utmost confidence in every time he goes out on the mound right now. And I don't know why you wouldn't. And they brought up Hunter Gaddis who mm-hmm. Mitch, I, I didn't even look this up to off the top of my head. I believe Gaddis's first career start was against the Houston Astros. Uh, in July. And if that was the case, I believe the Houston Astros had themselves a night at the plate and Mitch, you were there today. So I'm interested to see what, what your take is and you know, what the, the mood around the ballpark was because I was sitting at home working, watching this game. And I heard a two run home run. Then I heard a solo home run and another one and another one after that. And another one after that. And I thought, Oh my gosh, the white Sox are having a home run derby progressive field. So were they having a home run derby is what I want to know. One, Two, are you worried? Three, did Mustard win the hot dog race? Well, number one, Gaddis uh, did have, make his first start against the Astros. Number two, of course, Mustard didn't win. And number three, I from what I gathered, it seemed as if the Guardians wanted to keep Tristan available for the upcoming five-game series that includes a doubleheader this coming Saturday. Uh, I believe it would be Bieber the first game Saturday yes. and then Connor Pilkington game two mm-hmm. with McKenzie going Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And it doesn't help, obviously, with Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali still not being available. They would, they would be taking the spots that right now guys like Gaddis would have to be in but the Guardians have had to do this all season. They've kind of had to bring guys up in times where they may not have necessarily needed them before. And when you're looking at one game against the White Sox, and it's not an entire series that you have to go back to the day next day or the day after that, I can kind of make sense of it when you have a five-game slate with the Twins coming up here that could absolutely make or break Minnesota's chances here in the Central or in the playoffs in general. Now, it is a bit concerning when you have to go face off against this White Sox team the next week, three games in Chicago, especially now when they just basically had an offensive, a good offensive output on you. That gives them a little bit more of a, a confidence edge. I, I can see where some people are like, why would you not want to put your best guy out there with Tristan? I think they're mainly focused on ensuring themselves 
as much help as they can for a, for a five game stretch against the team. That's very, very rarely do you see five consecutive games against the same team. So you want to ensure that all your guys that you can put out there at first rate can be there. And Tristan probably wouldn't be there again until maybe the last game that week. Yeah. So as it's slated right now, and I, and keep in mind, you and I both know they play a doubleheader on Saturday. You were correct. Bieber game one, Pilkington game two. Imagine my excitement knowing I have game two tickets and could have had game one instead. That's neither here nor there. The way this can fall now is with a Sunday or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday game, or those games being played. Mackenzie now will fall at the back end of the Chicago White Sox series. Mm-hmm. My gripe with not starting him today, Mitch, you would have taken your four-game lead to a five-game lead. You would have won the season series against the Chicago White Sox. And the tiebreaker yeah. this year in playoffs and everything is head-to-head. There's no right. nothing else. Right. You could have won this game today and pretty much then buried them six games, right? You would have put them back. They would have been five in the standings, but you had head-to-head regardless of what the outcome was next week. It's a six-game lead for you over Chicago. Would have been, was it five going into today? Because they're only up it three was, now. It was four. Yeah. And then the head to head clinch with that would have been six. Right. But I guess I also like it because now, you know, if you have to win one game next week and you drop the first two, you have one of your top pitchers there still. So I don't really think you and I are in a position to um, really question what the, in my opinion, the manager of the year award winner and Terry Francona has done with all the moves this year. It's just more so the fact that you have to look at, Please, Zach and Savali. And yes, Mitch, they haven't been great this year. Please, Zach, a 3-11. and 11. No. They, they haven't been great. But at the same time, I would rather have those guys out there on the mound in a playoff push than I would a rookie who is making a second big league start. With all due respect, you're not going to want guys like Gaddis or Xavier Curry or you know Peyton Battenfield out there, You especially at this stretch of the year. You want your veteran guys. And yeah, I get what you're saying about wanting to clinch that against the White Sox, but again, you can do that next week and have a better chance to do it rather than have Tristan completely bomb a start and, you know, what's that going to do for him for the next five days, while he, four or five days while he has to wait? So I understand that. It, it We do want to get the one more win against Minnesota and the one more win against Chicago to ensure we have that sort of advantage should the season come down to a huge tie. I get that. I'm I'm more than okay with the move here because of what the long-term implications could be should the likelihood of it working out be there and the likelihood's very good because it's it's only having to win one game it's not having to sweep an entire team uh, entire series against a team to get yourself back in the race like the white Sox and twins might have to do in order to cut into cleveland's lead here but they're gonna have to do in order to cut into cleveland's lead here so i'm i have no problem i i don't have much of a problem with that i should say you're right and like I said, I once you started talking about it and realizing what they were doing, I don't have so much of a problem with it. There are people out there that I, I saw it on Twitter today. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sitting here and you're up there. And that's what I was going to ask you is I don't know how much you hear. Um, obviously, you probably don't hear any of the TV broadcasts when you're in the uh, assuming you're still where I was when I covered a game back in 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andre not on Valley Sports Great Lakes said. This is a team comfortable to do a bullpen game, but Mitch. Right. The reason they couldn't do that is because they play a doubleheader on Saturday. They already have to call up another arm in Connor Pilkington. Yep. And they have to be able to use the bullpen for a five-game series. And that's right. why I think you've seen Cody Morris up here getting work. 
McCarty coming out of the bullpen, who was really a long relief pitcher because he was a starter for uh, the Cl- Clippers this year. Yes. So it makes sense. It really does make sense. My question to you is with all these games remaining, I'm not going to overreact over one game. Now, if the Minnesota Twins come in here and sweep us and we flip spots in the division, yes, I will be extremely worried. But are you worried, Mitch? Or are you like me and your goal right now, starting with today, I said if they could go five and four or four and five at worst, I'll be happy because it means bearing one of those wins against both teams. It means you clinch the season series and you're still going to have a cushion over one of the two. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to relieve all my problems because you still have to win out against certain teams like Texas and Kansas city and Minnesota, uh, uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me, but that'll put you, if you're still in first place after this, this stretch here against Chicago and Minnesota, you're in good business. And uh, by the way, Carlos Vargas just got called up today too. Uh, this is in, I don't believe this is directly to the move, but it's uh part of the roster changes after Anthony ghosts uh, was ruled out for the rest of this season and possibly next after undergoing Tommy John surgery on Wednesday. And one injury note I want to make, uh, just make you aware of, I don't know if you were told about this at the game, uh, Larissa arrives, you know, the great hitter for the Minnesota twins left last night's game with, hamstring tightness so yeah. i believe the twins are off today so we are yet to know how serious it is um but we're gonna find out tomorrow night i mean mitch that's a guy that you're in a playoff race he's gonna be in the lineup he's one of the top three hitters in terms of average in the in that major leagues yep. you're not gonna sit that guy if he unless he really can't play so this is a team with buxton that's already out that i believe they had when we played them in minnesota last week 16 players on the injured list and so now you're talking about one of your best players and one of the best players in baseball that I think is extremely underrated in Luis Arise potentially being hurt. Which team, uh, I'm trying to get it right here. Which team do you, the listener or the viewer, believe will be the AL Central champion by season's end? Let us know in the comments below. We'll put a thing on Spotify or hit us up on Twitter at Mitch Spinell and at Mitchell Ballas. So when we come back, we'll get more into the football side. Uh, the Cleveland Browns. Will are one and zero on the season as we celebrated last Monday. They will now be trying to go two and zero against uh, the Jets, and we'll talk more about uh, a key decision that was made by the organization via fan vote from this past week. You asked for it, and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team, 
Albin Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Albin Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Albin Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albintitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for Introduction to Beekeeping, Basic Small Engine Repair, and Sign Language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. And welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We're getting now into the NFL here as we are going to get to pickums in just a bit. Um, first off, I want to get over our records from last week. Uh, nine, six, and one, Mitch and I both went. Uh, we obviously did not expect the Colts and Texans to end up uh, uh, going equal 20 all. And uh, we nearly had two ties that in a game that we'll get to later on. Uh, but, Mitch, that was just a... a an iffy kind of week for us because there were games that I did not expect to happen. I didn't expect the Niners to, to lose to the Bears. I didn't expect the Seahawks to pull one out against Denver, but that happened. <clears throat> I didn't expect that either, Mitch. Um, however, I also was the upset heavy guy. You know, I did pick the yeah. Bears over the Niners. I even said I was taking the Giants over the Titans, but then I got a little too upset happy and I took the Raiders over the Chargers, a team that you're very high on that ended up delivering. Um, I did pick the Panthers against the Browns. I think we both did, but I think we just had to at that point, right? We, we yeah. had to do that. Uh, but I did take the Rams over the bills and uh, they got smoked, but nine and six and one good start. Couldn't account for a tie, but uh, there's some questions that are going to need answered this week before I pick a team that I thought was going to be good. If that makes sense. There's a lot of questions going into week two for some own one teams that a lot of teams expected to be one to know and expected to make a deep run. Yeah, I got. Uh, I, I think I'm most proud of Commanders over Jaguars, even though I probably will. I mean, it wasn't obvious to me, at least. Um, but going back over to the Browns, we celebrated on Monday. It was a great, great day that the Browns were able to pull off that victory over Carolina. Now you have to return home to First Energy, and you have to take on a New York Jets team that just came off a considerable loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Mitch, there are a lot of uh, odds makers that are giving the Browns six and a half points and a lot of picks are going their way. Are we kind of looking at the possibility of a week two uh, sort of letdown from Cleveland that uh, maybe the Jets and Joe Flacco can come in there and surprise them? It definitely has all the the looks and makings of it, Mitch. I mean, you're you're right for asking that question. I've thought it myself. The, the opportunity is right for it, right? You got the, your first win since 2004. In week one, this is the first time you've ever been able to say you're undefeated going into week two since that 2004 season. 
it has all the makings of it, but I have to think that Stefanski and this team realize what they have to do. And you cannot let a team like the New York Jets come in here and and, and make this a game. This is a game that I think the Browns on paper are better than the Jets by two possessions. Now they're getting, I believe, six and a half, seven was the last line I saw. Um, the Browns should win this game, Mitch. And I know I tell everybody out there I'm very pessimistic, but I did predict them, you know, with very small win total, but that still meant getting wins. And this is a game that, I, I fully expect the Cleveland Browns to come out and win, handle their business. I think you can expect to see Jacoby Brissett a little more comfortable. I think the the pressure of week one on everybody was so immense, let alone on him. Yeah. Whether he wanted to admit it or not. He tried and he didn't admit it a whole lot. And then after the game, he was very emotional and he did. I have to think he'll be more comfortable. I'll have to think the defense is ready to step up. But Mitch, this is a team that throws the ball. This is this is a quarterback we talked about last week. How many times he threw the ball? You didn't believe me when I said 59. So even if we're up, this defense and secondary better be awake, and Joe Woods better not go into prevent defense because it could end up being a very tight game. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are because I'm looking at the matchups that the Jets will have. I mean, you obviously have, we said, Flacco coming in, and I he's a veteran player for sure, and maybe he can – and it, he's obviously – better at peak than Brissett, but Brissett right now compared to Flagger right now, it could be maybe even for me, maybe to the edge, George Jacoby. And then you look at some of the stuff on their offensive line. They're missing two of their offensive tackles this week. You think Miles Garrett had a heck of a game against Carolina's offensive line. You got the likes of George Fant and Max Mitchell, who, you know, God bless them, but Miles could have a field day on Flacco if the Jets aren't careful. He did it last year in week three against the Chicago Bears, Mitch. He set his career high for games or for sacks in a single game for himself. And the Browns set a new team high for most sacks in the games against the Bears, I believe it was eight. So you know what Garrett's capable of. And even if you do double team him, this offensive line is still so weak that maybe now you see Jadavion Clowney or or an Elliott or you know, whatever guy they're running off the bench. Last week it was Ryan we saw that got called for the roughing the passer penalty in the end zone. Necessarily didn't agree with it but it was called the Browns got a lot of pressure last week without having to actually blitz. And when they did blitz, you saw the Baker Mayfield we saw for four years come out, but you're right. I, I think really the only spot you could maybe convince me the jets are stronger at would be their wide, wide receiver room. But even then it, it's hard to say, but you do have somebody I'm excited to watch in Garrett Wilson, but their running game was non-existent last week. I, no. I, I expect a very hungry an angry Browns team coming out because they still believe Mitch, they were written off. And I was one of them to write them off to on this podcast. You mentioned it last week, running back by committee for the jets right now. And that could be a, that's, that's, that's a huge disadvantage right now because of what the Browns have been able to do. Nick Chubb had a solid game last week. Kareem hunt was most of the offense for much of that contest alongside Cade York. So I, I think this will be, I'm more confident this week in the Browns than I was last week. Now, while I picked them for the pickums, we will find out right after a word from these sponsors. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. 
What would you like with your fries? Trying them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Here for the final segment of the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here. And now it's time for the pick'em for us. Week two of the NFL season is starting tonight. Uh, obviously, the game that we didn't get to last week was Denver and Seattle. Uh, I picked Denver in that one. I don't know what Mitch did. I believe he picked Denver as well. Yep. So we both got that, got that one wrong. Nine, six, and one. So Mitch, let's uh, let's not take any more time here. Let's go right into the first pick of the week, Thursday night. We have the first game on Prime, actually, here for the NFL. It is the Chiefs going up against the AFC West rival Chargers in Arrowhead. Uh, KC, a four-point uh, favorite for the contest. You, you've been, you've been kind of high on the Chiefs this year, not so much the Chargers. And it's going to stay that way, folks. If you uh, are in a state that accepts gambling, I would take the over in this game tonight because these are two of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. But, Mitch, I do like the Chiefs, and I like them with these the with the points so i'll take chiefs minus four and as much as i've like wanted to say that the Chargers will win the afc west i'm going to go with kc in this one as well it's a hard place to play kansas city at times had their close matchups with the raiders last week but i think uh, i think kansas city's offense is just looking very sharp right now look very good against arizona this past week so now we want to go over to the sunday matchups and one of the games i want to get to here is involves one of our in division rivals or a, uh yeah it's in the afc uh the east versus the north the baltimore ravens and lamar jackson taking on two attack of and the miami dolphins some are saying this could be a preview of what the dolphins uh or for the dolphins 
and the Ravens in terms of all of the Lamar Jackson contract talks from this past offseason, which I don't even know if it's going to be real in the long term. So the Dolphins right now are three and a half point underdogs in Baltimore. Are we taking the Ravens in this one? Yes, we certainly are. And honestly, Mitch, this I think is going to work out in Lamar Jackson's favor if he plays well, because on one side, you're going to have Lamar ball out and potentially give a win. And the Dolphins sitting on that sideline after the loss, but also thinking to themselves, wow, can you imagine our team with that at quarterback and start salivating over it? Where the Ravens know that could happen if Lamar balls out. I know Lamar said the contract talks were done. The contract talks are never done if they come to you with the money you've always wanted the entire time. So I'm just saying I don't think the Ravens would go that high, but at the same time, this could be a very, very good mark for Lamar to really show the Ravens his worth, and I am taking the Ravens this week at home. Yeah, I... As much as I don't want to go with the favorites again, uh, I think I'm going to go with Baltimore for the the sake of an offense that can get past Miami. Although if Tua and Tyreek can connect very well, then they can keep the Dolphins in that contest. Otherwise, I'm going Baltimore. So now we want to go over to another individual rival, uh, one of a pair of losers from last week. The Cincinnati Bengals obviously were not able to pull off that amazing victory over Pittsburgh. So now they will take on a Dallas Cowboys team whose season already looks to be over, uh, according to some people, after losing Dak Prescott for a number of weeks. So it's the Bengals in Dallas. Cincinnati is a touchdown favorite in this one. I, I'm going to get it out right out of the way, Mitch. I'm taking Cincinnati in this one, and I'm taking the points. Yep, nothing to talk about here. They're going to get back on track, Cincinnati in the points. If, if – if Joe Burrow continues what happened last week, if last week was not a fluke by some sort of means, and in particular Mika Parsons could have a big game, then maybe Dallas could somehow salvage a victory, but it, otherwise it's not happening here. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned the Steelers. They will take on the New England Patriots, who also last, lost last week to Miami. So they're going to be in uh, Pittsburgh this week. I This is tough because the Steelers... Right now, if I'm not mistaken, are okay. They're a two-point underdog to New England. I, I really liked what I saw from the Steelers' receivers last week. I like what I some of those points I saw on defense. Again, not so sold in the quarterback, but I, I, I think I got to go. It's such a toss-up. I'm going to go. New England takes this one just to get themselves back on track for the start of the year. I'm going to go flip side for you. I'm going to take the Steelers at home, home opener. Okay. Um, yes, you're without TJ Watt, but at the same time, you're playing a team that I think is not a team that you should ever be worried about offensively with Mac Jones second year. Remember, he's coming off a very sore back x-rays and MRI were negative, but he did take a big hit in that loss in Miami. And I just think there's too much question marks. People, people forget Josh McDaniels was the OC there for years. He's now in Las Vegas. That is Josh McDaniels. Mike McDaniel is the head coach of Miami. Okay. Matt Patricia, who has been a defensive coordinator for the longest time, has the tag of offensive coordinator in New England. This is just a team that I think they don't know what they want to do. I don't I don't think they have an identity, and I'm taking the Steelers even without T.J. Watt. I think, as you call him, Goat Bisky, Mitch, shows up and balls out this week in Pittsburgh, and the Steelers go one and one heading into Cleveland. Well, you mentioned Matt Patricia. He used to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions. And speaking of said Lions, we go over now to the NFC. Uh, Detroit nearly pulled out a victory last week over Philadelphia. Washington did pull out a victory over Jacksonville. Commanders versus Lions. Detroit, only a one-point favorite in this game. I think it's such a toss-up. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll go Detroit in this one. I think they just barely get past Washington. I think, I think Carson Wentz falls a little bit back down to earth in this game. Not saying he's going to be bad, but I think he's not going to have this game he had last week. 
Mitch, when's the last time you saw the Detroit Lions favored? You have to take them. This is a once in a decade opportunity. Well, here I was, was going to say it was like how and however there was an article like however many months it's been since uh, they were a favorite yeah. in a game. Who do you got? One. I'm yeah. taking Lions. No doubt about taking it. Detroit. I, I like Dan Campbell. They're going to bite a kneecap. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go over now to NFC South. Tampa Bay two and a half point favorites over the Saints. Both won last week. I'm taking the Saints strictly because it's at home, and I saw the Buccaneers injury report today. Every single wide receiver was either limited or did not practice. This is an offense that didn't look great, except for Leonard Fournette, really, on Sunday night. Um, you just have to wonder if if the chemistry just isn't there yet. There are a couple of new faces offensively for Brady, um, but this is a team, Mitch, that has the Buccaneers number during the regular season since Brady got there, and so I'm going to stay with the Saints. I would... I was going to go with Tampa Bay initially, even knowing the the information about the receivers beforehand. I still thought, you know, if they can put up that many points on Dallas, I mean, however many points can they put on New Orleans, who gave up 36 points to Atlanta, by the way. But I think I'm going to go with New Orleans in this one. I think it's going to be one of my upsets for the week. Uh, I think they can pull out a win, even though I think that this would only put them one win maybe two wins below my expectations for them this year. I think the Saints could do something this week, and uh, I think the Saints could go 2-0 by week's end. So hopefully hopefully I'm right for this sake, but hopefully for my earlier part of the year predictions, which are already meaningless now that uh, Dallas' season is the way it is, uh, it's pointless. So I, I'm just going to go with New Orleans. So um, staying in the NFC, we go over now to the two-point favorites in the Meadowlands. The Giants coming off a surprising win over the Titans last week, going up against Baker and the Panthers. I think Baker takes this one. I'm going Carolina. I'm literally sitting here right now looking at what I have picked because I think this is very tough because on one hand, I think the Panthers are the better team, Mitch. I think they yeah. really are. On the other hand, though, if Saquon Barkley goes back to his rookie year form, the Giants are going to be a completely different team. I don't think Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback. However, I still think that with the mind like Brian Dable, head coach, Jones can show some things that would maybe keep him around, at least as a backup quarterback. You know what? I'm only rooting for the Panthers in three games this year. And tonight, this this Sunday's not going to be one of them. Give me the G-Men. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So, all right. So, you got the Giants there. You got the Saints there. I'm also looking at Pittsburgh. That's, th- that's three three underdogs. Well, not two underdogs. Pittsburgh, I think, has the edge of there. No, it wasn't New England? Yeah, New England is the favorite. Uh, New England the- favorite. Yeah, so three Three points uh, underdogs you're going with there. I, I'm, I'm very fascinated with that. Uh, also, underdogs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the same amount of victories this year as the Indianapolis Colts, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, going into this Sunday's game in Jacksonville. Now, something weird happened with Indianapolis last week against a, a Texans team that is probably going to be a bottom-five team still by, by year's end, but they can't possibly play down to Jacksonville, can they? No, they can't. There was the, it was the 283 ball curse that you saw. I don't know if you saw that today, Mitch, but yes. Matt Ryan passed yeah. over uh, 60,000 yards for his career. So that game ball was brought to Canton, Ohio for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the game ball number marked was 283. Yeah. I was not aware. The Falcons blew a 28 to three lead over the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So that was the bad luck. Uh, the Colts get back on track here. Yeah. I think, I think even though that's a very small point differential for a game like this, 
I think uh, we're looking at something easy here. Another game we're looking at that's easy. Ten-point favorites. The Rams are coming off their loss to the Bills, and they're taking on the Falcons, who barely lost to the Saints last week. Did they give too many? Did the oddsmakers give too many points in this one, uh, Mitch? Or do you think they got it right? What is it again? Ten points. That's double-digit points. This isn't like college football this... where Ohio State plays a mid-major in week two. This is like the Rams, professional Rams, up against the professional Falcons. Yep, and it's going to be the oh well, they have to come across co- the country and they're playing the East Time Zone. Yeah, you know what, folks. It's almost fall. If you go outside, you can smell that. And if you smell the autumn weather coming, you'll smell a backdoor cover. Uh, that's exactly what this has written all over it. The Falcons backdoor cover it. But it wins. The Rams still win. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought I thought you would say that. Yeah, we're going to go with that pretty easily. And another point favorite here, the Seahawks, eight and a half points over the Niners. Who would have thought? I mean, I wouldn't have thought that to start off the year. No. That many points. Mm. Is is Geno Smith the future in Seattle? That's the question. That is the question. No. No. No, he's not he's not the future. Is he the future for week two? Is he the guy? Is he the guy that's gonna lead Seattle to victory? The only future with Geno Smith would be if they put out a song after Geno dropped that fire line uh in his post-game interview the other night. Um, so no, he is not the future in Seattle. The Niners get back on track here. Um, if there is a hurricane that blows through this time on the West Coast like it did in Chicago, the Niners will be ready for it. They played I, in it one. So I, I'm taking San Francisco. I don't know, man. I mean, Trey Lance didn't look that impressive last week, and San Francisco committed a, a number of mistakes. So uh, maybe don't give me the points, but I think give me the team. I'm going Seattle with this one, man. I'm gonna oh. give I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my faith in put my faith in a squad that probably shouldn't have the I how about this? They win this these two games. And then they just bottom out the rest of the season. How about that? We'll go like four and thirteen. They'll yep. get a top five pick. They'll have their little. They'll have Cardinals. their little celebration. Ooh, the Cardinals. Speaking of which, the Cardinals now zero and one on the year up against the Raiders, who are zero and one on the season. These are two teams that I said could get off to rough starts, and now they play against each other. Um, oh, the Raiders are five and a half point favorites. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the odds there. I'm going to go Raiders. This is a no-brainer for me. Um, a the Cardinals weren't prepared last week. No, uh, Kingsbury's still the coach. Kyler Murray is still the quarterback. I will not be a believer in them whatsoever. If the Raiders do lose this game, though, Mitch, I'm not saying it's time to hit the panic button, but I'm also not not saying it's time not time to hit the panic button. If Derek Carr forces the ball to Devontae Adams, you have to honestly start to question is. Is that going to be a good matchup? Because last week he had targeted Devontae Adams more times than the rest of the wide receivers and Waller combined by one throw. And they have some good weapons. You have Darren Waller, you have Hunter Renfro. So that I'm actually very intrigued in this game because one of these two teams is going to 0-2. Is it going to be the team that just extended their quarterback and head coach? Or is it going to be the team that just made the biggest splash in free agency non-quarterback wise? And could you start to wonder, is this going to be like a Baker and OBJ situation? We shall see. So I'm assuming you're, I mean, you're taking Raiders Raiders. Yeah. I, I thought so because yeah, that's, that seemed a little bit, that seemed less obvious than the next matchup I'm about to pick, which comes to us from Denver. And it, it's, it's uh, 
it's a game that they have they probably really have to win in order to make sure they can get back for the divisional race. Still get a wild card, but I think if Denver loses this game against the Texans, they're not getting back into the divisional race. Um, that being said, I'm taking I'm taking Denver in this one. They they have to win this week, right? Broncos country, let's ride. All right, so yeah, we're just gonna take that mess, um, and then we have another. Uh, well, we have one more Sunday night matchup, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yep. so we have the Sunday night game: Bears up against the Packers. Packers, ugh, Packers looked weird against the Vikings, man. And the Bears, I, look, Justin Fields didn't have the greatest game, but it, a win is a win, and he's he's still gonna he's still gonna have to run like hell behind behind that offensive line. But if the Bears defense can kind of swarm around the the Packers receiving, could we see kind of a low scoring affair with Aaron Rodgers on the field? No, no, no. I, I'm not falling for this. No, I'm not falling for this. No, Th- this has this has blowout written all over it. People, the first off, no matter what sport, I feel like there's always a player in any sport that you know. Anytime he plays a certain team, he's going off. And for us, it was Baker Mayfield against the Cincinnati Bengals the past three years. Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. He literally told them on national television, "I own you to the city." This is a huge get right game Rodgers and the Packers come out the Bears yet again embarrassed on national television 10 point favorites Green Bay is heading into the game and I, 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 I'm taking those points as well as much as I like Justin Fields and I hope he does well I I, I think this is uh this will be an easy one uh mm-hmm. also seemingly an easy one the first of two Monday night games to kick off uh the Monday night slate we have the Buffalo Bills going up against the Tennessee Titans uh that one the Bills are obviously the favorite Coming off that victory over the Rams, Titans lost to the Giants. I I think Buffalo's not going to lose for a couple of weeks here, so I'm going to go with Buffalo. I'm taking Buffalo too, but Mitch, I, I will not be shocked if this is a game they lose. Strictly because you had that huge offensive output in week one. Yep. And then th- for some reason, Mike Vrabel always worries me as soon as you want to write his teams off that, oh, they're done. I don't I don't buy them. This is just – I'm not saying it will, but if we re- when we record our next episode and put it out – if we're talking about the Titans beating the Bills, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Yeah, it's definitely a game that would probably be their most at risk to lose in the first few weeks because then you have matchups against the, the the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Steelers, and then up to that matchup with the Chiefs. Then I, I think that's where uh, they might get stumped. But I, I'm going to take Buffalo as well. And then the final one, this is a tough one actually because it's such a close point game. The Philadelphia Eagles... Advantage two points over the Minnesota Vikings. Both pulled out victories last week. And they were both very entertaining games, uh, especially the Bears and, or I'm sorry, not the Bears, the Lions and the Eagles. And then you had the Vikings, you know, throttling the Packers. Mitch, this to me is a letdown game. This to me is a team that is coming off a week one win, but also realize that there's nobody else that's going to threaten them for the division. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings on the road here. I think the Vikings know they have something to prove. And I think the Eagles kind of know, Oh, Hey, Dak's out. The division's not that good. Hey, we're okay. And this just has the writings of a letdown game all over it. You know what? I think, I think we're going to have a three-way tie in the East here this coming week, because I also 
have the Vikings. I, I, I think that this is a team that actually kind of impressed me, even though Green Bay had a lot of problems last week. Kirk Cousins could, you know, pad his statistics in the regular season, lead Minnesota to a wild card spot, like I, I predicted, uh, I believe, in our preview show. So, uh, yeah, I, I again, Philadelphia will keep it close, but I think Minnesota could pull out a victory here. I wouldn't be surprised if they... Uh, were to be two and zero to start this season, which I would, I guess, I wouldn't have said to start the uh, the season, but I guess here we are. You're right, and listen, could the Eagles come out and absolutely, you know, make me look like a fool? They sure could, but just yeah, there's something right now that just based off how you saw Minnesota do it, and I think Mitch, it has more so to do with the fact that it's an division team that usually has has beaten Minnesota and the Packers, and they came out and they. They show Green Bay they're for real. Justin Jefferson this week has said he believes he's the best wide receiver in the league. And if he isn't yet, by the end of the season, he believes that will be true. He's determined Adam Thielen is another wide receiver, too, that's extremely reliable. Dalvin Cook in the backfield. I just like what I saw in week one, which is weird because Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. I would never say that, but here I am. But at the same time, Jalen Hurts could, could shut us both up, and the Eagles could look great. Devontae Smith didn't even have a catch last week, so that's something to watch out for this week with the Eagles. But I think that's going to be one of the better games of the weekend, Mitch. Absolutely. So there are the picks you see. Actually, we can't see um, right there. Those are the picks. We have them solidified. We stand by them no matter what. So obviously we want to know your guys' picks. Leave them down in the comments below, whether you're on Spotify or YouTube. And that is the end of this episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Obviously, you can follow us anywhere. Like and subscribe and hit the bell on YouTube podcast, uh, wherever you can listen to them. Uh, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, at BTS on Ohio on Twitter, uh, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Mitch, what's your fact of the day? Mitch, uh, there's a game we didn't pick yet. What's that? Uh, the Jets and the Browns. Did we not? Oh, okay. You are on top of the thing. You know what? I know why you didn't want to think about that game. What's that? You don't like the midfield logo. Oh my gosh, we didn't even get to that. So yeah, let's 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 start. Let's stop this whole sign off here thing here. Uh, I even threw my ball away. So let's get into the the discussion that uh, we were supposed to get into and then we didn't. So. Obviously, we're gonna pick. We're both gonna pick the Browns over the Jets this week, right, Mitch? Yeah, I'm right. going to. And if right. I have to get on here Monday and it's the same old Browns, I'm going to be one angry elf. All right. So, all right. So you you have the right transition into the elf, the Brownie, the elf, which was voted as the new midfield logo on the field of Cleveland Browns Stadium or First Energy Stadium, rather. I don't know anybody who's called it that in a while. Um, but it was it led up to a fan vote, which also included the it included a few, four options. It had the elf. It had the modern helmet logo for the Browns, which is kind of at a slanted angle, the way that most logos now with helmets are typically sh- shaped. It had the classic flat helmet, which is kind of it just looked like it was two dimensional compared to the kind of three D look that uh, the new one has. And then what was the fourth one? I can't remember the fourth one exactly. Was it just, does it say Browns? No, it was the other helmet. There there was the modern day helmet and the old, there was a throwback helmet as well. But I only listed three. What was the fourth one? I the regular elf. The one, there was the angry elf that we chose. And then there was also Brownie the elf with his hands on his hips. Oh, uh, oh, okay. That's that, that's the one we picked. We picked the angry elf that ha- is holding the football like a Heisman. Right. Okay. So yeah, those are the four that we had the selections of choosing and 
you know, I, I'm, I know I'm going to sound like an old man when I say this, but I wanted something simple and classic looking. And I went with the flat 2D helmet. I, I thought that would be a really cool look for kind of an old school design that the Browns have, you know, classic colors, classic uh, helm, uh, uniform design. And, you know, the elf is fine. I don't think it's like as terrible as some idiots were making it out to be online. It's kind of weird that it's an elf. You know, it's not the most intimidating thing in the world, but as Browns fans, we've always, I mean, we've pretty much embraced Brownie the Elf oh, over, the, over yeah. the decades. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's first off, let me put this out there. Thank God we just have a logo at midfield. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever watching the Browns play since 2016 with no logo at midfield. That's how long it's been. So I'm just happy to have something back there. Secondly, I voted for the original Brownie the Elf with the hands on its hips. I just wanted a logo, but I wanted either of the elves first. I'm actually starting to really love this one, the angry elf. I voted for the elf, Mitch, because like you said, a classic look. I was so sick and tired of a piece of football equipment being our main logo. I didn't want to see it anymore. That's my whole thing is I'm just, I'm so sick and tired of looking on sheets. And next thing you know, you're looking at teams and the Colts, you have a horseshoe, the, the Ravens, the Eagles, you have birds. Yeah. Oh, there's us, a helmet. See, see, here's the thing. See, here's the thing. And first of all, that's the that's the design that they're going with. The, mm -hmm. I I get what you say now with because I, I I was wondering the hand on the hand on the hips thing. That was the classic look of Brad yeah. the Elf, where he's looking like this. I get that now. Um, see, here's my thing with the logo. I'm I I used to be like you. I'm like, oh, it's stupid that we don't have a a, a logo. We're the only team that does that. Stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And then when the year that the Browns now infamously changed their color scheme, which really they didn't change the color scheme. They just turned up the saturation on it. It, it may, I got excited because the lead up to it, I'm like, Oh my God, are they going to get a new logo? Are they going to finally make a change? It's going to be great. And then they didn't. Um, but over the years, I, I don't know. There's something about being the only team that does that. Now I've kind of embraced where it's like, yeah, we're the only team that we just don't have a logo. We're named after a human being, you know, the last name of a human being. What, what are we going to make a logo out of there? Yeah. We got a dog. Yeah. We got an elf, but Hey, this is our thing. We're, we're, we're embracing it. You know, I, it's like, for example, in baseball, the San Diego pot, and I know they, they, they did a stop doing it for a while. And then they brought it back because people wanted it back. Myself included San Diego Padres are the only baseball team that has embraced the color Brown in, in yeah, professional yeah. baseball. It's all blue and red and, and black, but you know, they, they went back to their Brown ways and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that the Browns have their own unique way. It's not the most original design, obviously, because you're just copying and pasting what you're wearing on your heads, but I don't know. There's something about that. How are you going to like, how are you going to put it on a helmet? The dog I can kind of see, but you have to do the thing where you have to have it facing the way of the helmet. And I don't know if you can make a great design that would look as intimidating as the forward looking, uh, like mutt that we have yeah. for our usual designs. I was going to say, I think I thought I had an old towel here that I could show, but I guess I don't have it. Um, and as far as the elf, like nobody would ever take the elf seriously. I, I mean, on, on a helmet on the field, it could yeah. be a little bit different. And I like the modernization that they added to, to Brownie a little bit where he's, it looks a little meaner. He's got, he doesn't have like a, a pipe that he's got going on. Yeah. I, I like that. So yeah, I'm fine with that being a midfield, but I, I would have rather preferred, the flat helmet, something about that flat 2d design that I much more appreciate than the, than the one you have. Um, where is it right here? That, yeah, that's fine, but I much prefer the 2d version. That's yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're the only team that is named after our owner. 
Yep. Our first official mascot was a an elf, but were known as dogs who bark in the end zones. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating very, how that evolved. Very fascinating. Right. I mean, it's it's just it's weird, but I mean, here's the thing, Mitch. A lot of people forget when the Browns started as a franchise in 1946, mm -hmm. this was the original logo, Brownie the Elf. It was changed when Art Modell bought the team in the 60s. And then, as you know, everything happened with Modell. Because he hated not, the elf. Not Yeah, he hated the elf. Not only did he hate the elf, he hated the city of Cleveland. He took the team moved. Uh, and then when Lerner bought the team and they came back, you started to see Brownie kind of come back uh, into the into the realm. I believe it was actually the head logo for training camp in 2006 for the Browns was Brownie mm. the elf. Okay. This is something that I know my my dad you know, had gear grown up and, and really this took off again when Kevin Stefanski had a hoodie in 2020 Yeah, with, with the elf on it. I'm all for it. I, I think I probably, if you would have had the vote on there, I probably would have voted for a dog just because, I mean, you're in the dog pound, right? That's the one yeah. thing you want to hear is you're, you're barking in the end zones. Um, and, and to your point, I would take a dog in the helmet. I don't think you'll ever see Brownie, the elf on the helmet. Uh, I, I remember reading somewhere, they tried it and it looked so bad. They only made one mock-up of it and never yeah. did it again. That's why the Browns are plain. That's why there is no logo on the helmet. Um, but at the same time, I think that's one thing you can't touch, right? I think the helmet's so iconic with this franchise. Yep. Can't touch it. You don't need to touch it. I think my only thing that you could possibly do, you saw last year's when they put the numbers on the side of the helmet. Uh, yeah, they they I, that was the thing I think in the sixties, I believe. And I mm -hmm. the first time I remember seeing that was in a Monday night game in two thousand and seven when they beat the giants um that that's interesting but i think the chargers kind of co-op well not no the chargers didn't co-op that they did that as well and they'll do it on throwback uniforms but yeah i don't think did they do that on their modern uniforms now the ones that everyone loved when they came back was powder blues i gotta look that up i don't i don't think so much I, no? off the top of my head i'm trying to think but chargers. when you said blue there was about a lot of other football teams that popped in my head because they have blue yeah, Chargers helmet with numbers. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, they don't. They don't have that. I mean, they do have it in some some design. Oh yeah. They, okay, I got to figure out this whole thing here because I see <laughs> just I see Justin Herbert wearing a, a helmet with a number on it. Mm -hmm. I see that right there. You got that whole thing. It, it would just fade in for once in its stupid life. Um, I, we're gonna. I'm gonna edit something in here, and I'm gonna end this episode correctly this time. I thank you, Mitch, for being a sort of producer for me, and I thank you, uh, the audience, for uh, listening to this episode. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Well, we're just gonna keep it simple today. I, I honestly was gonna use that Brownie the Elf fact in case people didn't know it out there and they were yep. upset, but I'm not gonna do that. So Brownie the Elf was the official first mascot of the Cleveland Browns back in '46, but. Your fun fact of the day is there are about, on average, 336 dimples on a golf ball. Oh, okay. Wow. That's fascinating. I didn't know it was that many. I mean, I guess... Neither did I. <laughs> yeah, because it's so small. You wouldn't be able to think that they could fit all that on there. So yeah. I, I almost tripped on a wire. Oh, man. I nearly had it that time. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mm -hmm.